Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few podcast. Uh, a wee bit early this week. I think I hit the button about 12 seconds to go. So uh, <laughs> my finger just sort of passed over the, the, the pad and it started the song. Anyway, uh, my name's David Tomlinson and welcome. Uh, with me tonight is Mr. David Polk. Welcome, David. Thank you, David. Good to be here. Good to be. Uh, we've got a brand new signing, a shiny new player to just talk about and uh, get all excited about. Yippee! We love Sam. Sam's the man. <laughs> well, I've, I've got my orange shirt on. I, I, I had my other, my blue shirt on first of all, and I thought, oh, well, we've got a new signing. I've got to have Aranya on today. So this is for Sam. Anyway, the the second, uh, the youngest member of the pod tonight. I was going to say uh, the the young oasis against the the two dried up water uh, holes. <laughs> uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew, please meet you. Welcome on, Andrew. How are we, guys? I'm doing good. Uh, weather is boiling. It's hard, hardly able to to keep my eyes open, but hopefully with our new signing today, uh, we've got lots to discuss tonight. So looking forward to it. Yeah, well, there's plenty to discuss. And my third guest tonight is uh, over from uh, This Is Ibrox. Uh, he's, uh, I've, I've seen him on the Jersnet as well at times, and I think he's one of the best uh, presenters on that I've seen on the Rangers shows. So uh, I'll give you that, Scott. Scott Patterson from This Is Ibrox. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks very much, David. That's a... That's a lovely intro, thank you. Um, listen, glad to be on, nice to be on, share the content with you guys, uh, even to Davey and Andrew as well. Hi, guys. Yeah, welcome, uh, Scott. Um, I'll give you the chance now, uh, Scott. What, what are, this is Ibrox, what's coming up in the future for you guys? So typically we've kind of enjoyed the summer a little bit, so we've taken a bit of a, a, a break from it. The, the end of last season was really busy for us as a group, um, so we've decided to, we decided to take a wee break. Um, typically the break hasn't lasted long enough and we start again this coming Sunday so um, the first of our sort of pre-season pods we've got four in total going Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday um, the first one is this coming Sunday 8 o'clock um, and for, for the followers of the, the podcast generally who will be aware of our content Sunday, Monday, Wednesday starts at the beginning of July so looking forward to getting back into it Okay I must admit, I've, I haven't watched the This Is Ibrooks uh, podcast yet, so I'll I'll get into that one. Um, well, I was actually had a, a completely different story lined up for tonight, and I thought at six o'clock my time, which is uh, five o'clock your time. I looked at the the Rangers website and there was nothing on it, and then a wee while later came through that Mr. Sam Lammers had had actually joined the club, so that was me throwing out. Everything I'd sort of prepared for in the beginning got put to the back burner. And no, we welcome him. Uh, all of a sudden, it was Rangers FC are delighted to announce the signing of Sam Lammers from Atlanta, subject to international claims on a four year deal. Uh, then he went on to say, Speaking after joining, Lammer said, I am really excited to join Rangers. My first impressions have all been good. So I'm even more excited for this season to start now. I came in contact with the manager and he came over to see me in Italy. We had a good talk and he gave me a presentation about the club and about how I could fit in 
So ever since that moment, I was excited for this project to get here. I already knew some things about Rangers. I know the history. I know the massive club in Scotland and also worldwide. But it's always a good thing to have personal side of it. Manager Michael Beale commented, Sam is a player I have been aware of for a number of years. I first knew him as a young player at PSB and have followed his career closely from afar. And he excelled in Holland, both in Eredivisie and under-21 national team. Sam will give us great technical and tactical quality, being able to play in a variety of attacking positions as a number 10 or 9. He was the first player I met as part of the planning for the new season and during our lengthy discussions, it was clear we shared the same ideas of football and on his personal development moving forward. He has a strong alignment to the other players in our squad. Having recently turned 26, he brings a wealth of experience, having already played in the top leagues in Holland, Germany and Italy. We are delighted he is joining us at Rangers and I am looking forward to working closely with him. On recruitment as a whole so far this postseason, the manager continued, I am delighted with our progress so far in the summer transfer window. We have worked extremely well to recruit Jack Butland, John Sterling, Kieran Dowell and Sam Lammers. We are ahead of schedule in our plans. The coming weeks we'll see more trading both in and out of the squad as we prepare for the season ahead. We have a key areas of focus and we are close to securing our targets in those positions. So Dave, we've been talking about it the last uh, few days, saying, well, it'll be six o'clock tonight, five o'clock tonight, five o'clock. Well, it's here. What do you think? Uh, quite exciting. I mean, because I, I I haven't watched all of the, the YouTube reels for, you know, the signings, but I did watch his. Uh, so, yeah, the only wee kind of bugbear was that he was on the bench with Eintracht Frankfurt on May the 18th in 2022. So, but I'm sure I'm going to have to work hard and forgive him for that. And we can uh, beat it out of him if we have to. No, I'm quite excited. He, he looks, as Michael Beale has just indicated, you know, Michael Beale doesn't need me to give him any guidance, but he does look quite a technical player. And, and I think the, the comment that I, I latched on to was that he'll align with the, with the players that we've got. So <clears throat> I'm thinking he'll be a good fit for us because uh, <clears throat> he's clearly got uh, some decent technical ability. He's good on the ball. Uh, his goal-scoring record isn't, you know, pulling up trees or anything, but I'm, I'm sure once we get uh, get him integrated into our team, we'll be, uh, he'll make an impact. Here's hoping. Yeah, definitely. Andrew, what the, you obviously were very, very young when he, when he was, was in Holland, so I take it you don't know much about him in Holland. Have you been reading up on him? You're normally a stats guy. Have you had time to, to pick anything up? Yeah, well, as I said, that. Even going back to my first pod, I do like to be in, in the know with the numbers. Yeah, he's, he seems to be trying, well, we'll be hoping to hope that he recaptures his, his form he had at Herenveen once he made the move from PSV after having, uh, I think it was maybe in loan actually from, from PSV. Um, I think a lot of the Rangers fans will be looking at his more recent seasons and not seeing as much goal scoring as we would maybe like. Um, I think it's important to note that Atalanta are one of the best in Italy. They're certainly seem to be quite one of those up and coming teams. Um, 
we know that Napoli did really well this year in Serie A, but Atalanta, they've had some real talented players the last few years, and their striking department at the moment is quite quite filled. Duvan Zapata and young Rasmus Joyland, who's one of the best up-and-coming strikers um, in Europe. Um, it's almost like his namesake, uh, namesake at Man City, Haaland. Um, he seems to be one of those big, tall, kind of lanky, fast strikers. Um, and Atalanta will be... I've had players that have, he'll be in there as their kind of project player. So I'm happy that we've tried to snap him away there. Hopefully commit him to a good few years here. Get try and hope he captures his best form. Um, he certainly seems to be happy to join the club. And every, everything they said I've said um, about other, every other signing we've made, Michael's not put a foot wrong for me. So I've got all the trust in him, um, and I'm just looking forward to see him. Scott, we seem to be picking up at the moment. We picked up Cantwell, uh, who was sort of a down in his luck uh, Norwich. Um, and that seems to be the same with Lammers. Is this a sort of a thing we build? We're picking up players that had real talent and we're going to sort of a try and bring them back up to fill them with confidence? Um, potentially. I mean, I think... Beal, I mean, the Campbell one's a, a, a good case in point. I think if Todd Campbell has a really good season next season, we'll begin to sort of, there'll be interest in him. And I think that's just the, the natural way of it. It's then down to the club to maybe discuss what Todd Campbell sees his future. And as far as Lammers is concerned, I think he's one of these guys, or strikes me one of these guys, rather, that needs a bit of a kickstart. Andrew and, and Davey are both both absolutely right. I think Andrew's referred to his, his period at um, Heronvene when he, I think it was just a goal every other game in Eredivisie, which is <laughs> quite decent, you know what I mean? To go to Atalanta and, and, and maybe have a pretty poor time in Italy, um, I just don't think Rangers are going to be signing guys that are signing, that are scoring great, or having rather great goal-scoring records for Italy. They're not coming to Scotland to play, that's just the way of it. I think we need to appreciate that and understand that. However, if this guy does come in and hits the ground running in the manner that, that Campwell and, and, and Raskin have done, I don't think we'll have much to complain about. A couple of things that jumped out from, from me today. Um, it was the first person that Michael Beale spoke to. Beale clearly fancied him from the off when he maybe got an inclination that he was available. He wanted him. He was the guy he was in Italy to see, you would suspect. Um I think from 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 Lammers himself though, and I think this is quite an important thing, and it's important we don't drop by it. Um, another guy that's referred to the presentation that Michael Beale's done. Um, so whatever presentation it is that Michael Beale's doing to these guys to promote the club, the environment, and everything that he is trying to make good about Rangers again, um, it's clearly working because everyone that's coming in is referring to it and how impressive they were in that, and the way that Michael Beale spoke. Um, I think we're, we're we're on the verge of going into a really important season. Bill has to win the league next year. I think everyone knows that and understands that. And I do think that if everything in the presentation sort of rings true, um, we'll, we'll be okay next year. Yeah. Steve, of course, we had a, a, an ex-player that played in Italy and didn't do very well. Uh, it was Mark Hately. Do you remember that time that Mark Hately came over uh, went to Monaco first? Didn't do too bad with Monaco, but in in Italy he was he was just lost as well. Is that is that to me? Sorry, David. Yeah. Oh, sorry, David. I, I thought I said David. All right, sorry, Dave. Yeah, uh, I Mark Haley. I mean, Mark Haley when he arrived at Ibrox, I, I don't think he was fit when he arrived because he seemed to take you know some time to adjust. Uh, but once he got into his stride, you know, 
then uh, Mark was and him and Super Ali were unstoppable. I mean, Mark Healy was an absolute brilliant centre forward. He was uh, one of my favourites. It was strength, power. You know, it was uh, a human battering ram type player. He was, I mean, probably uh, purpose built for the Scottish football, to be honest. But he not uh, not a little technical ability as well. He was. Uh, I remember some of the goals he, particularly one game against uh, that mob at Hamden when they were. Uh, they, that was they were playing their home games there, and he's, he he just ran away from them from the halfway line, touched it to the side, and absolutely leathered it. So, if we get uh, something approaching Mark Haitley from from Sam Lammers, then uh, I'll be absolutely delighted. But I think, as Scott says, there seems to be a strategy here which Michael Beale is working to in terms yeah. of the players that he's going after. There's, you know, he's going it's, it's square pegs for square holes. You know, this is this is all integrated. You know that the, the players that he's that he's had a look at and and what he wants to do. So it, it just seems that there's a, a focus that he needs lots of pieces of the jigsaw, you know, that we get that synergy from the players that he's going to sign. So, uh, yes, I think Andrew alluded to it as well. You know, Michael Beale seems to be, uh, you know, working to a plan, which is always good to hear, you know, because if uh, it's it's not the kind of make-up as you go along, that someone becomes available, you know, they have a good game against us and you think, right, well, we'll take him, you know, that sort of signing strategy that, there seems to be a wee bit more grey matter has been employed and and who we're going after. So it's, that's always good to see. Point to note as well, David. Is worth. I mean, you look at the guys that um, that he, he, we're currently being linked with, and indeed the guys that he's brought in so far. They're all north of six foot. So he's clearly seen since he came in that there's battles in and around important areas of the pitch that we just haven't won with the existing squad. Yeah. Um, and he obviously feels that bringing in guys that are maybe um, six foot and above is going to give us better opportunity in either end of the pitch um, yeah. and I think it's important listen if Michael Beale and I think Andrew alluded to it if Michael Beale has seen areas of improvement um, in the, the signings that he's bringing in then the support will surely back that um, I think he's done everything really quite well so far I've really no complaints Yeah Andrew do you see the players that have come in so far and the players that have been mentioned? There's only really been one winger amongst them. Are you worried that we're sort of a running short in wingers to be the players that have come in? Well, the thing that we're doing this year that we, we, we really seem to do is we're actually doing the business early. We think that there's stacks of time before we re- the league starts. I know we get Europe to start and I know that the, the guys will be back before the end of the month. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, we, we have time. Um I'm hoping that we are trying to keep some somebody nice, a nice name under under a keeping it quiet in the, the Ibrox. If it's if we spoke to somebody already, or if we have a kind of short list of guys we're looking at, um, it'd be nice. I know we, we. I did used to always say that we're going to miss Ryan Kent when he's gone, but then the last few games of the season made me kind of doubt those words. I think um, I think it'll be something that we're going to see I just don't know when to be honest but um, if we're going off of what we've seen so far I think we're going to find somebody maybe similar to the, the kind of Cantwell and, and Lammers kind of uh, has been there in terms of reputation of being a good kind of up-and-comer player maybe maybe 
a step back would be the perfect thing for them and Ibrox being that step back. Um, neat wait and see. I know there's, there's been a few kind of silly season names thrown about. I joked about Hazard last week on the pod because he's over 30 and injury prone. I don't buy it. Any stretch of the imagination, don't think it'll be him. Um, but um, um, I think it would be interesting to see because that's some of the people saying in the comments how how are we going to play next season? Are we going to be winger um, orientated? Are we going to be more narrow and have the kind of fullback or the, the wingbacks going up the park? Um, it's kind of just need to wait and see what what Michael's uh, Michael and the team are doing. Um, they've got I've got all the, my faith is in them. Um, Anything he, he he could honestly he could uh, <laughs> he could boost my ticket price up and I'd still love him. Uh, he's he's doing everything right for me uh, at the minute, so long may it continue. Yeah, you mentioned Scott. There were there was t- taller players coming in. The players that I think have come in are for a pressing game. Do you think that as well? Do you, do you think we're going to be pressing uh, up the field high? to get the ball back in the opponent's half and then try and cut them down, down the room down that they've got? Absolutely. I think that should be the way that we, we play more often than not when, when we're playing, particularly domestically. Do you know what I mean? Um, we should be camping other other teams in, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think, indeed, recently, in, in the sort of domestic game, certainly we've we've seen times when we've, we've went away and maybe not played like that. I think we're going to see a... A, a complete change in mindset. We've seen it sort of at the end of last season, which I I, I feel Beal um, had a relatively successful second part of the season from maybe Christmas onwards for the, the break of the World Cup onwards. Um, of course, the headline is he, he doesn't finish with a trophy and that must have been in part of his remit when he came back up the road. It, it must have been make sure he won a trophy. So for him not to do that um, must have disappointed him. However, I think the, the regurgitation of the the squad is is necessary, and I think you know I think we've got used to seeing um, players playing in particular positions the last three, four, five years. Um, Tavernier, Barisic, you know what I mean. I just wonder if there's a chance that he maybe changes things a little bit and maybe goes to a back three um, for next season. Sterling, who's come in from Chelsea, can play anywhere across that back line. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be starting next season with a right back and a left back. I wouldn't be at all surprised if if he starts with a three. I think John Suter had a really good end to the season last season um, and has probably sort of worked his way into sort of a 1-11 to jersey um, and deservedly so, to be honest. I think we'll we'll see big changes in the way we play next year and the, the sort of aggressive approach as far as being offensive is, is probably one of the, the top things in Michael Beale's list, I'd imagine. Can we put some blame on Beale for not winning a trophy by not playing Cantwell and Raskin in the cup final? I think that was probably, I mean, when you, listen, hindsight 2020 and all that, do you know what I mean? I think when you look back, um, he probably wishes now he, he, he played both. I think if, if memory serves me right when you're back, I don't think Cantwell had long arrived. Um, and I'm, I'm reasonably sure that Raskin certainly wasn't fit. We did look a different team when he came on. He, he, he certainly made a difference. But, do you know, I think we just, we need to trust the manager. Do you know what I mean? Regardless of whether it's, he's made those decisions Shortly after coming in, and um, I think our trust has to be um, with the gaffer and, and whatever decisions he makes, and that is decisions he makes in the pitch, and it'll be in the decisions that he makes in the next three, four weeks. Because he's alluded today 
in the in the um, Lammers announcement that there are going to be changes and there are going to be people that are going to move out. I would think, well, Glen Kamara is, is clearly going to be one that's going to be disappearing. I would imagine um, Barisic may not be far at the back of that. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next three, four weeks with bodies coming in. But I'm really interested to see who goes, to be honest. Yeah, see, Barisic got a, a, bit, a couple of minutes last night. Come on, come on in the 130th minute or something like that. <laughs> played, played a few seconds. <laughs> but, um, I, do, I, I suppose he'll get a cap for that. Uh, but Dave, uh, Kamara, five million. Is that enough or is it too too much? If we get five million, we snatch it from the hand. We just uh, we take that check straight to the bank, and uh, we, we cash it because uh, as long as it's not your bank, Dave. <laughs> not, not your bank. No, no, it'll be five pounds if it's my bank. No, <laughs> no but if we get five million for Glenn Kamara, I would uh, take it. Absolutely no doubt about it. I think the the depends on the clubs who are after them, you know, because anyone in the English Premier League. You just add a couple of zeros onto the the transfer fee that you're thinking about. So, but I think uh, more realistically, if he goes to the continent, France, maybe Italy, maybe Germany, somewhere, if he gets, I, I, that would I would be delighted for Glenn. And I, if we get five million, I'll also I'll be delighted for that as well because I think it's probably we were asking for five with a view that it will be three and a half to four. So. It's the standard negotiating technique and taking an extreme position. So I think five would be the extreme position for Rangers. Just my own thoughts. But if I uh, wish him all the best, I think I'm hoping that Michael Beale will cash in, in a few, you know, Borna, maybe uh, John Lundstrom, send him back to the championship. There, there would be a few of them that I would uh, quite happily, you know, because as you, as you probably know and maybe can remember that, that the by the end of the season, I was tired of most of that team. I think I would two or three of them would have survived, and I'd have just lined the rest of them up against a wall. So uh, I think it's time to make ring the changes, and it's good to see. I think Michael Beale, you know, with the speed with which he's doing this, he's had a few of these names. They've been, these guys have been on the radar for a wee while. So uh, he didn't dream up all this last week and, and make his move on some of these players. So I think there's been a short list has been compiled shortly after I've arrived because. He can see what we can see, you know, and probably, you know, with a much sharper focus than we see it. So I think Michael Beale's just putting into uh, action the, the plan that he would have devised, you know, not long after he came in the door. Yeah. And Andrew Lundstrom, I think it's well known that uh, what my feelings are Lundstrom is. Uh, he's not my favourite player. I think I was one of the first to to sort of pick up on him that, uh, that he, he wasn't doing what he should have been doing. Uh, what about Lundstrom and Wright? you think, how much do you think we'll get for them? Um, I think it'd be easier for us to try and pull a fee from teams for, for Lundstrom. I think he had a, a brighter um, last few games of the season, which is easier when we're trying to stick him in the short window. Um, right from what I thought we heard was he was already off ski. Um, I, I like Scott Wright. I, uh, it feels like it's just a case of unfortunate events for him. He comes on as a sub. He has a good game here or there. As soon as he has one dip in the performance, it's straight out and you'll not see him for another three months. Um, <laughs> it feels almost like a, like a Christmas movie. You bring him out for a certain time of the year and then you put it straight back in, in the cupboard and you don't see it for the foreseeable. Um, 
it's a shame. Um, I, I think he, I think he's quite on his taking by a good player. Um, again, that would be asking the question of who we who we're going to bring in in the winger front because there's another winger, depth winger at least gone. Um, I know he's just married as well, so it'll be an interesting one for you, a big change in his life to potentially go down south. If that's the option that's on the table for him. Um, I think as I, you brought up one stream and I was already going, oh god, here we go. Uh, for the uninitiated, Mister Thomason does not like one stream. Um, I, I I've always liked him, um, and even even during the 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 caravan. Um, dragging days of the early season this year. Uh, I don't know, it's been a weird... I feel like this season as a whole has just been a write-off all the way from pre-season to the post-season. Um, so, just need, to, just need to hope that brighter days are ahead. Certainly, Michael's doing his best to assure us that that's happening. So, roll on, roll on the next few weeks and heading towards the new season. Yeah, I was actually surprised today that it was 17 years since we've actually had a Dutch player in the in the club, so I, I heard that, and seemingly we've had twelve in total. Uh, what's the chances of us naming? Well, obviously I kind of got it in front of me naming twelve Dutch players within a few minutes. Dave, you start. Could I start? Bert yeah. Quantumen. There you go. There's big Bertie. One. The hedge one. Uh, okay, I'm going to Andrew. Andrew, can you name one? Davy stole Geo from me. Um, I'll give you the Boer. Both. Geo, that's three. Both technically there. Hi. Moles. Michael Moles, yes. Davy. Fernando Rickson. Yes. I don't like going after Davy P because he always takes one I've got in my head. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me pull out my program from the Legends game a minute. Vatarus, <laughs> get me. Ah, uh, get me. Vatarus, yes. Mm. Oh, there's, there's there's two quite easy ones. Two brothers. Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> Ronald de Boer and Frank de Boer. I mean, with the there you go. There's another two. So we've got that. Um, Condom and Moles. Yeah, there's an, a, an easy one. Left back. Oh, Arthur Newman. Yes. A goalkeeper. Theo Snelders. There you Theo. go. Good show. Now, this is, now we're going on to the, the sort of older ones. Uh, I'll say Miss of the Century. Peter Van Vossen. Oh. <laughs> Funny how he's remembered for that. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. And the last one is a left winger. Came from, came from where, near where I stay, so that, that won't help you much, but it'll help me. Left winger, quite a long time ago. I think probably one of the first, maybe the first Dutch person that came over. There you go, Dave. That's it. Well done. So, See, this is what I refer to as the good times for Rangers, and I was not born for that. Um, <laughs> I have to say, it was a, a question leaning towards the, not the older, I'll say the better looking, just to make you feel better uh, in, in the, the club this evening. 
Oh, well, one thing anyway, your time will come, Andrew. Don't worry about it. These things go round and round and round. I can tell you all the yeah. clothes we loaned from Newcastle during the championship. <laughs> I'll tell you that. No, no, don't tell us that. Don't remind us. Don't remind us. Anyway, I'm going to leave football for a for a wee while. Uh, commence at least on the the, the field. Uh, the Rangers came with a statement yesterday. Rangers Football Club is today delighted to share our new supporter engagement strategy. The comprehensive engagement strategy reflects the club's commitment to strengthening the relationship between Rangers and our loyal supporters in the UK and worldwide. Based on industry-leading guidance, the strategy outlines the club's vision and objectives to enhance our fan engagement across various channels and platforms. Rangers is proud to be the first club in Scotland to publish a comprehensive supporters' engagement strategy and believe the strategy will benefit both clubs and the fans in creating a more positive and enjoyable fan experience for everyone. As part of the commitment, new CEO James Bygrove has been nominated as the board-level official accountable for fan engagement activities, while a fan advisory board and engagement working groups will be created alongside supporter collaboration sessions to allow more supporters to engage with the club. In addition to this, Rangers' newly expanded fan engagement department will report directly to the CEO and board to reinforce this commitment to our supporters. Also, a dedicated fan engagement section will be introduced on the club's website and app, which will provide information, updates and resources on fan engagement activities. And then you've got supporters can access a full strategy by pressing here. And when you do that, you get this a fully colourful booklet on the football fan strategy. I don't know if any, any of you have read it yet. I've read through it and it seems that we're, we're cutting, bringing in all different levels of fan. We've got CEO's fan forum. Fan Advisory Board, they seem to be the top uh, supporters group. Engagement Working Groups, Supporter Collaboration Sessions and Supporter Group Meetings. Now, I'll come to you first, Scott. What do you, what, what did you think of this? Did you uh, get involved in this? Did you think about that? Do you know, I think the, the one thing that, that is glaringly obvious is that um, James Bisgrove has obviously seen that there has to be change as far as the communication to the sports concerned. That's really important. Um, I think sort of forum um, at Emerson House next week is really important. I think it gives, if you're lucky enough to get along to that, make sure you, you go along and use your opportunity to ask a sensible question should the opportunity arise. Um, but the headline for me, David T, <laughs> is, is, is simply, it's, it's communication. They're, they're, they're communicating to the fans. For a long time, I think we've had um, we've almost had that opportunity not available to us um, and we've just had to, to sort of take the information as and when we get it in whatever channel we get it, I think, the communication. Now that John Bennett's came in and guys that have been in and around the board recently have moved on, I think things have changed. I think it remains to be seen whether things are, are changing for the better. I think the fullness of time will determine that. Um, but from everything that I've seen so far, indeed, in that booklet, there's a lot of good reading in it. There's a lot of reading in it in the first instance, but I think there's a lot of things that, that, that are relevant for supporters. And if you do get the chance to, to sort of look through it, the the bits about the, the, the fans' advisory board, I think is particularly interesting. Could open up a lot of avenues for 
a lot of sensible-minded fans. Um, if, if guys that have got maybe really, really strong opinions that, that are, are sort of worth hearing, then that's that's where you do it. That's that's exactly the forum that you're looking for to to make sure your your opinions heard. I think it's a really good positive next step for for this board, and it's something that the, the support should absolutely embrace. Yeah, this sounds like uh, Scott's talking about you, Mister Pollock. So I'll give you the the next uh, say on the matter. Well, I, I think it, it should be a, a two-way process, though. I mean, I, I don't think I'm hoping that it doesn't become just become a whinge fest, where you know we just turn, turn up and give a unload a whole load of complaints about the club. I'm hoping that it's going to be something more positive, where we can see how can. You know, how can the fans better engage with Rangers and how can Rangers better engage with the fans? I, I, and I'm going to start with one which uh, which drives me cuckoo, is that I'm hoping that we will get the fans to engage with the team for 90 minutes because the spectacle of our stadium emptying in the last 20 minutes of the game and sometimes having a third of the crowd by the time the referee blows the final whistle. Even when it's, you know, the game is quite close. There was one game and, I, and I've got pictures on my phone, should it ever work again, that I, I could send you about the Dundee United game when we're two one, we're two one ahead, you know, and and then the end of the end of the stadium, I actually took a picture of the Copeland because I'm in the club deck, and then the Govan stand, and there there ha- it has to be a third full both of these stands, and I'm thinking, you know, because so I think the Rangers fans have to take a wee bit of responsibility here and say, do you know what we have to back the team, we have to back the team, we have to back them for ninety minutes. Sure, of course, there's going to be occasions where you know, people will leave the stadium. And I think Pep Guardiola eventually, you know, called out the Man City fans on, on this. We, we, you know, when they walk away and, and start piling out the stadium, Christ knows what the supporters think. So I think this should be, you know, seen as a as a as an opportunity for the club, you know, maybe to uh, bring the fans on board and, and, and emphasise why they're why they are so important. <clears throat> because I've I've yeah, I long held the opinion that you know the, the the people in the crowd and don't really can't influence the game and until we went in the Europa League run last season when we went to the home games at Ibrox when the atmosphere was absolutely particularly the game against Leipzig because this kind of sealed it for me when the 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 whole support that night were so involved in that game everything every moment on the pitch every free kick throw in corner kick Everyone was as one. We were all in this together, and I, I'm hoping that we can we can create that atmosphere at Ibrox a bit more often than European semi-finals, because that night persuaded me that the fan, the support do make a difference. They can actually influence what happens on the pitch, because I, I really believe that they did that night. So if they did that night, they, they can do it in other nights and other games. So I'm hoping that 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 becomes part of the the learning process that clearly we need to go through for the board to hear that, you know, we want uh, safe standing and, you know, uh, and, and issues like that, which Stuart Robertson was quite happy to kick into the long grass. See you in three years when I kick it back into the long grass. You know, so and John Bennett, I would say, and, and James Bisgrove actually seem to be uh, quite turned on here. I'm actually quite excited with the backing, you know, with the, with the emergence of this, when the, the I, it's not all going to be sweetness and light. This isn't going to be, you know, let's hold hands around the campfire all of the time. There's going to have to be a frank exchange of views from time to time. But certainly with the backing that Michael Beale seems to be getting, 
and their ability to, you know, which I think would be, unless they just pay it lip service, they're going to, there's going to be some thorny elements to this, this two-way dialogue, which we have to overcome. But uh, I think we'll all be better for it. So, no, I'm, I'm going to uh, Ibrox next week. I, I managed to get, <clears throat> I uh, was lucky in the ballot to, to go meet James next. Uh, so I'll, I'll be uh, making my my thoughts known to him if I'm given the opportunity. So, but I might have to fight someone to get them to the microphone, but I'm, I'm willing to uh, fight my corner. <laughs> Andrew, I'm quite interested to find out a 21-year-old's opinion on this. I think one important thing for your age group will be safe standing and the, the singing group in the middle behind the goals. I think that would be couple of things that would interest you, your age group. First of all, I'd like to state that all proceeds from tonight's podcast go to David T for his printer ink um, after printing out that, that massive, <laughs> massive email from the club. Um, yeah, I can see as part of the young, I'll do this, in the right way, safe standing can be done brilliantly. In the wrong way, you can make an arse of it. Am I happy we're moving the Union Bears behind the goal? I suppose it probably will help the atmosphere. But on the other side, uh, we're going to see another incident with glass bottles in the goal mouth. Um, I'd, I'd, as long as we're doing it sensibly is the main thing. I can sit here and tell you, I don't chuck bottles, I don't chuck coins, I don't chuck lighters, but some sod in the ground does. It's obvious. We've seen it happen. I know it's the small minority, but are we giving that small mi minority a bigger platform to do the same? That's what I'm concerned about. We're doing all these good things and trying to promote a club name, but an incident like that can derail us all the way back to the start again. We're making ground with this fan engagement platform, but if the fans make an arse of it, uh, this, these small fans make an arse of it, and, and headlines about goalies being injured from coins or glass bottles, then... Then it's it's not good, and and we and people will tell you they do the same. We are not the only ones, but if we these are the same people that will tell you we are Rangers. We should be doing better than this. We are bigger than this. That's not what Rangers are. So, I just think it's for some people to be opening a can of worms. I just think if we can be sensible, then. And if we could all just get along, for God's sake, <laughs> if we could just do it sensibly, then I think we'll be fine. I think it's a great platform. And Mr. Bisgrove seems Andrew, to have I, that. I, Sorry, I, I don't think we do ourselves any favours by, by ignoring some of these issues. Because mm. I think that, uh, the, the Rangers fans have to take some responsibility here. In terms of, you know, you know the songbook, first of all, is another thorny wee subject. The, the, the behaviour, you know, so if they're going to throw things on the pitch to the detriment of the club, then the, the club should, and, and the range of support should hammer that sort of behaviour, you know, because they could self-policing, a wee bit self-discipline is as important as anything here, and, you know, the stay for the 90 minutes. So there's a few issues here which, you know, I think they're going to have to be told some hard truths, about you know, being, if you're going to be a Rangers fan and be a proper Rangers fan and, and come along, support the team, we're all on the same team, we're all on the one side, Let's uh, behave that way. I think the the Leipzig game should be the yardstick. We should never use that that a lot over there as a as a standard we should aspire to. We should be. Uh, I, I would just ignore all of that stuff. So, 
I think it's a it's a glorious opportunity. I hope we don't we don't just look at it as a as a box ticking exercise and and we go through the motions. There has to be some su stuff of substance comes from this. Well, I tell you, it's not just a uh, Rangers problem. It's also in Holland they have had a problem with it as well. And at the end up at the end of the season, there they started actually if and they're talking about beer, these plastic beer cups that they were throwing on. The referee takes the players off the field for 12 minutes. Then they come back on, and if there's new stuff thrown, the game's just cancelled. That's it. It's postponed. There's no two ways about it. They just cancel the game. And then the way the Dutch do it, then it's funny, funny system over there. If, you, if a game's postponed, postponed in Scotland, then they play the full game again. But even if it's only five minutes to go, they will only play five minutes. So it means that, well, obviously there's, there'll be no crowd in again for the, the, the remainder of the game, but the, the, they will play the game out at, at the, the same part without without uh, fans. And that's the way the Dutch do it. So it's not just a problem for Rangers. It's not just a problem in Scotland. It's a problem everywhere. In fact, in Holland, they were even talking about bringing back the the uh, track round the, round the pitches so as that they couldn't reach the pitch with, with, when they're throwing stuff. But um, that's... Uh, uh, Scott, would you, do you think... Have, have, have you seen anything like this uh, anywhere else? I've not. I've not. I've not is, is, is the easy answer. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the guys are obviously referring to um, mm -hmm. self-coaching within the support, which which I I do agree with to, to, a, to a certain extent. Um but personally, no, I've not. I've not seen anything. But certainly, of, of what you're discussing there, David Tomlinson, it, it's. Um, listen, I go back to what I say, and I, I, I agree with, with with David and Andrew. It's a it's an opportunity for the club to move into the sort of current football and environment where engagement and communication is better. Um, and it's as I, as I said at the at the start, I think it's something that historically we've not been that good at. Um, and our focus only has to be on Rangers. Um, hopefully, um, next week we see a just a wee upturn in in that again. As I say, I, I think largely we should all be quite impressed with what John Bennett and, and James Bisgrove are doing so far. However, it's it's early in the in their tenure, and I think in a year's time or so, um, it'll be interesting to hear what the discussion is then over how things have went, what they've done, what's been implemented, and how the club's changed. Um, I think that'll be very interesting over the next year or so, just to see where Rangers are. Yeah, it'll be interesting everywhere. Be, for me, it'll be interesting to see what the Dutch are going to do about it as well, because obviously there were some people saying, yeah, it's an overreaction, and some people are saying, no, it's good, that's the way they, they, they've got to sort it out now, and it's just a split right down the middle at the moment. So it'll be interesting in the new season to find out what's uh, what's going to happen. Anyway, there was a second statement come out yesterday, and it's even longer, but I don't know where I'll go through the whole lot of it, but I'll give the gist of it. Uh, Rangers can today announce the club will be in, will not be entering a B team for the Scottish Lowland Football League in season 23-24 and beyond. This follows the Scottish FA's decision to withdraw a vote on the proposed introduction of a conference league at Tier 5 of the National Football Pyramid. First of all, Rangers, and then it goes on to say that Rangers uh, want to thank everybody, that all the teams that they played for, uh, that played in that league, and uh, 
the, the email goes on. But what it says is that uh, we're withdrawing the, the, the team from the Lowland League because Rangers wanted to start a fifth division, a conference league, uh, and work through the divisions. I think they could end up in Division 2 at the end up, or what they call the Championship now. Uh, that was the way it was supposed to be. And obviously, and this is David, David and, my, and myself discussed this this morning, obviously all these smaller clubs have now got a say in what happens in the, the whole of Scottish football. And some will, because of this, some will get releve, relegated a division and some will probably may even get promoted. But they've all got a say in it and they've all voted against it. So there'll be no conference league and Rangers are, are now saying we would rather play against teams like Liverpool and friendlies and uh, so it would be done a couple of years back. David, what do you think about that? You read the whole, I read out the whole list this morning, but I won't yeah. do it again. Yeah, and I did have a think about this and, and you know, it's it's a, something of a dilemma for us because if our B team or reserves, whatever you want to call them, or Colts, whatever title you want to brand them with, but they, they have to play competitive football. You know, just a series of friendlies, you know, and seven, eight subs a game, you know, thing. the whole thing is just uh, going through the motions. It's no more than training sessions. So if we are preparing these people to be uh, first-team players, they have to play competitive football. How we do that, that, that remains to be seen because, uh, she, and, and as you, we spoke about this morning, you know, when we're handcuffed to clubs like Alloa, Stenhouse Muir, Albion Rovers, Brecon, and they're getting, you know, the tail is wagging the dog here in terms of the development of Scottish football. So the, our we have ambitions, you know, European ambitions, you know, to do better in Europe, you know, ultimately to win a European trophy. Their ambition is just to survive. So our interests are not aligned in any way whatsoever. And uh, I, I really don't see how you reconcile the two. I think, and I would like to see, you know, if Jim, if... Uh, James Bisgrove and John Bennett are ambitious, then could we, could we explore, and, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here, this is just off the top of my head, as most of this shit is, is that, you know, uh, could we explore the possibility of, of, of entering competitive leagues down south, which would offer a far better standard of opposition, you know, and, and, and provide a, a platform to get far more development out of, of our young players and, uh, and find, try and find a way of, of, of getting getting away from these guys because uh, it's we're we're being sucked down. It's it's like bloody walking through treacle with these people. So I think we should explore options to try and get away from it. And ultimately, with the benefit of the first team, we'll see the benefit and and exposure to you know to players of others' clubs. You know, which is uh, certainly wouldn't do us any harm. So I I really don't know what the the easy solution is, David, because it's it's actually slight, slightly depressing that the their focus is so narrow that uh, they don't see a merit in in, in development of, of players. So I, don't, I really don't know where we go. Well, we could start in the conference league down there. They work our way up, and once we get to the second division, swap the teams round for our first team, and then build up in, in England. Just a Trojan horse. Oh, yeah. Scotland. <laughs> um, Andrew, what 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 what's your Taking this, uh, do, do, do you get any meaning in it? Are you interested in the B team? I, I don't have the answer to the question, but 
I'll tell you what, there's people who are paid to have answers to these type of questions. And I'd like to see them actually come up with something. It's it's becoming a almost every year at the end of the season. We're heading we're looking to the start of the new season and this this question keeps popping up. What we're we doing with the development team? Is it gonna the B team, the reserves, the coach, whatever you want to call it, we are we gonna be doing these friendly tournaments with English youth teams? Um are we going to enter the Lone League as we did last year? Uh, I think having an answer that's definitive and we can finally have work some structure about progression is exactly what we need. But I just don't know how how they're going to come up, go about doing it. I know the kind of the Premier League will get the kind of youth league setups, but I, and the thing is with the, the Lone League teams, as we said. Um, they they're in for themselves, obviously, um, and if anyone who's above them seems to be the enemy. No, you look on social media and all the teams in these lower leagues when when it was announced are thanking the lords above and very happy that we're nowhere near them. Um, so sod them, <laughs> good riddance. Um, uh, I hope that we, whoever's in charge of this, will come to a better conclusion, a more long term conclusion. Um, but as I said, I don't have that answer, and I'm not paid to. So <laughs> I'm hoping the people who are uh, will have an answer shortly because it's not gonna. They they'll continue to talk. Uh, the commentators for the Scotland games are gonna be telling us when we have another a downturn like we did a few years ago. There's not enough development in Scottish football. There's not enough at the grassroots level. There's no progression through the teams. Well. To find the answers, uh, these guys, the guys are getting paid a lot of money to sit in their suits and 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 pretend they they they're doing a great job. Do, you're obviously not. We're in this situation again. We need a a better plan. We need more structure. And and Scotland are in a decent place right now. And we're we're finally winning games at the international level, um, which I don't think I've seen a lot in my lifetime. Um, so this it's a perfect time to try and build build upon this this little burst of success and try and make it more long term for the, for the future, the future of the future even. Yeah, Scott, the top five countries really, and I will include Holland in that as well. They've all got teams, their B teams in professional leagues in Holland. The way it works is they can work through the second division, but they can't uh, get promoted to the, the Premier League. Uh, surely it's ridiculous that Scotland don't have a professional setup for for youth teams. Yeah, listen, I certainly think so. I I think that was a, you know, what I would say is that I, I think Scottish football just continues to tighten that noose a little bit with every decision that goes on, and the real opportunity coming into the modern day sort of side of things as far as football is concerned, and I've passed up on it, which is really disappointing. From a Rangers perspective, um, listen, I, I, I wonder what it means for guys like Alex Lowry, Devine, Leon King, and where they're going to get their competitive games. Um, guys like Robbie Fraser, who's just signed a contract extension for what he will probably now wonder. Um, it's, it's a, listen, it's a tough one. And I think, as Andrew says, I don't think there's any real correct answers to it, to be perfectly right. Um, I would love to have seen sort of a, a B team set up and a, a B team league set up with, with all the, the sort of 
sort of top teams would be teams in there. I think it's a good opportunity for them. One thing I would say, I, Scottish football will always have a problem um, for as long as you've got guys that are maybe mid-table Division 1 officials looking after the game. Mike Mulraney, you had guys in at the, um, the, the top of the tree, Queen of the South, who are making decisions for the full game. Um, and I think for as long as that's the case, that's a problem for the game up here. I think we need um, we need better governance. We need better people looking at it from top to bottom. Um, and that's always going to be difficult because you're never going to get someone who isn't Rangers-minded or Celtic-minded, and we get that. However, if someone's going to come in and do it for the good of the game, it has to be considered. Um, and I just think it's... it's it, do you know what I mean? The, the setup that now needs badly revised. And it was an opportunity for Scottish football to really do something, put themselves on the map a bit, and they've not done it. They failed as far as I'm concerned. It's a shame. And I feel sorry for the young guys. Do you know what I mean? Um, it, the the good thing about it is, I would argue, is that uh, I see PSV have apparently announced today that they've invited Rangers across for a tournament there, which will be quite exciting. And there's, I think Manchester United are sending a youth team over and there's a, a couple of other big hitters that are going. That's good for these boys and it's best to be best. So it's an opportunity to, to go and pit your wits against the, these teams. In addition to that, I don't think you can sort of rule out the contacts that Michael Beale has and Neil Banfield um, also have. You would hope that these guys can can maybe work an opportunity for these young guys to go and play against guys their own age in a more competitive environment than, with all due respect, maybe travelling to Spartans for a game. Um, and again, I think it's, it's, it's something that, from a Rangers perspective, and that's all we should be considered that, the rest can do as they please because they've had their opportunity again and knocked it back. So now it has to be about Rangers development of their youth team. Yeah, that's for sure. And you just mentioned uh, Manchester United there. I'm going to go on a wee rant there. I just read on the, the, the computer before I, I come on here that the Arabian people have taken over at Manchester United and they're going to be making a transfer budget of £450 million. Pounds. That all? Where is fair play in this, Dave? Where is, if they what double is it, they can mean? have Raskin. If they double it, they can have Raskin. <laughs> 450 is a wee bit short. Double it. Then you can talk about Nico. But, but where's fair play in this, Dave? What is it? I mean, we were talking about 15, 50 million last year and they were saying, oh, but we'll go over the, the fair play limit. But what, what is this fair play limit? Yeah, and, and Rangers to get access to, to you know, sources of income, you know, which they even would even attend to that would be nice. But at the at the moment we're we're handcuffed to people who have a bowling club mentality in terms of the, the, the governance of Scottish football. And uh, Christ knows how we get away from the Rangers, you know, have made their case and Stuart Robertson was uh, making complaints about the governance. And all it all came back was just a whole load of uh, as big bad Rangers, you know, they heal thyself. I, I just don't see how we uh, actually get away from this because it's it's seen as uh, Rangers trying to dominate things, and I don't how how our club can grow, you know, the income they, and brings better a better standard of player to the team, do more, you know, do better in Europe routinely. Then you know where, which is ultimately where we want to be. How we achieve that from from the position we're in at the moment, it's going to be a it's going to be some task. Without you know the the Arabs turning up, you know with the pots full of money, uh, I really see it, the the gap just widening. You know, so 
I hope we will enjoy our Europa League run last season because you would think if you were a betting man, the, the prospects of doing that uh, you know, routinely is uh, pretty remote just from the resources. Just look at the transfer budgets that, that we're dealing with at the moment. You know, how many players could you sign from the English Premier League, you know, for two and a half, three, four million pounds? Yeah. It's just, uh, they, they, you can hardly get a ball boy for, for three million quid. <laughs> so that's pretty much the, the level that we're at, I'm afraid. It's all yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that just sickened me, 450 million for, for a transfer budget. I'm going to go to Scott even first of all Scott I think you would have read about the Dave King with the Easdales yesterday and one of the things that came about it was an American investor now we've been sort of hearing stories in the, in the grapevine about American investors have you been hearing about this at, uh, this is Ibrooks. have you been hearing about American investor um, no, I mean, the easy answer is no. I think there's, there's there's whispers back and forward, but nothing, I think, of any substance whatsoever. I think we can all um, we can all sort of breathe a huge sigh of relief when Dave came, King came out and sort of poo-hooed these deal story, to be perfectly frank. When I saw that, I, I did panic a little bit, to be perfectly honest. Um, and, do you know, Dave King, we've, we've all got our reasons for, for thanking Dave King for a variety of different sort of um, situations. However, um, every so often he'll just pop up with a story to, to almost just get himself back in the limelight as far as I'm concerned. I think this is a complete non-story. I don't think anything's going to happen. Um, I don't think there is an American investor. I think the the, the woman, I think it was Miss Fox, who was sort of around a wee while ago, I think she sort of went back to the States with, um, with no interest Um I don't think it'll come to anything at all. I, I think we'll we'll rely on the investors that I'm sure John Bennett and, and James Bisgrove have um up their sleeve. And I'm sure they're there in some way, shape or form. Um but no, I, I, I don't think that the story that broke this week um has a great deal of substance. I would certainly hope not. No, well definitely no. I, I, I mean I just couldn't see King working with these deals. I, 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 when I read that first and Time, I thought, no, this this can't be true. This can't be true. But uh, thankfully, he came out and he, he rubbished it later on. Andrew, I'll give you get it back to the football. John Souter being fit for Scotland. What do you think of that? Well, John has been brilliant since he's uh, he's kind of came back from that that season long injury. Um, if we can keep him at that level of form and keep him fit, which is always going to be the, the key thing, then we've got an absolute star on our hands, um, a real, real solid centre-back. We've seen for a while, for a kind of centre-back pairings, that Connor seems to have to hold the hand of his partner um, to get a get-through games, not mentioning any names, but Ben Davies. Um, I think John is the complete opposite of Ben Davies. Uh, he's He's not afraid to be on the ball. He's not afraid to stick his head in where it might get kicked. Um, he's a leader, um, which helps. I mean, he's been there for hearts. One of the stories I think I always remember hearing when he signed for Rangers was the reason he would get injured so much at hearts was any time he was at least 70% fit, they were getting him straight back into games because of how important he was for their team. And that, you know, that leads to him getting injured again and again and again. And obviously... 
that he, he gets that injury-prone reputation. I think Scotland, again, I've said for a last while, I think it's important that Rangers players play for Scotland. I know that Steve Clark, some of the Tartan Army, um, not big fans of Rangers as a whole. I think it's easy to say that. Um, and the players from Rangers that play for the, the international team don't get the, the right uh, amount of support. But I think for young players at Rangers, it's it's massive for them that they can see players doing what they want. They could be doing in a few years' time, having that pathway to, you know, he's in the first team and he's getting picked for the national team. That'd be great for my career. Having those kind of positive role models for them going through that youth team is massive for them. I don't think you can understate that. Um, I think, uh, obviously, with the way that UEFA and the rules for the, for European footballers, you need to have those homegrown players. So I think, especially, it goes back to the whole youth thing of we need to have Rangers players getting in a position where they can represent the national team at least because that's just going to be better for Rangers as a whole. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of a, I, I can understand players want to play for for Scotland. I, I mean, I think if I was a Rangers player, I'd still want to play for Scotland. Uh, I know, I know, a lot of younger guys uh, don't support Scotland, but I've always, I, I, I think the, our older generation. I don't know about you, Dave. Were you ever a, a, a Scotland supporter? Are you still? Yeah, I was. I was at the World Cup in uh, Italia ninety. Went to the games over there uh, to it uh, in Genoa and won at uh, Stadio Delle Alpi in Turin for Scotland versus Brazil. So yeah, there was a time when I would we would routinely myself and and guys I go to Highbrooks with now would uh, take in Scotland games, but the the whole thing's become a bit toxic, you know, with the with the Tartan Army and uh, the treatment of Rangers players. So I've just yeah, several years ago. <clears throat> You know, one of them accused me and says, uh, you're nothing but a Hanoverian. And uh, I, and I said, do you know what? You're right. <laughs> I wouldn't be back. <laughs> and I've never been, never gone back. You know, so, uh, no, uh, uh, which is a crying shame, to be honest, because uh, national team football should be a, a time when we could set aside all that nonsense. But the, uh, there are too many want to perpetuate that. So I, I, I certainly don't miss it. Because I've I've been to lots of Scotland games, lots, of, but not not in the last ten fifteen years. And I fell out of that. <clears throat> yeah. Um. No, that's four players in, and Sifuentes and uh, Dessers is probably going to be coming, possibly coming in this week. But there was uh, on the. I'm I'm going to be really make. Uh, Shona McLean's day here because she was on about him at the weekend. Uh, Rangers have a route to signing striker Josh Madja in the summer. For he's a Bordeaux centre forward, and what ha- what actually happened was that Bordeaux were playing a, a team called uh, I've got I've lost that again Ruses or something like that. I can't, I can't find it so quickly, but they were playing a team and. It was 1-0, they were getting beat and somebody came on and attacked, one of the supporters came on and attacked the, one of the players and they got the, the game was cancelled, the game was postponed and what happened was that Bordeaux lost the points. Because they lost the points, they were relegated 
Now, they put in an appeal, and now the appeal has been taken back, has been uh, thrown out. So, Bordeaux are now relegated, and Maja had in his contract that he, if he was relegated to the second or they stayed in the second division, that he would be a free agent. Otherwise, there was a year that he could have added on to his contract. So he's now a free agent. And he was mentioned as a Rangers player. Uh, the Rangers were after him in the beginning. Uh, he's a striker. Now, I've seen his, I watched his video films as well, and I thought he was really, really good. Uh, I, I don't YouTube films, you can't. I mean, even Sable looked really brilliant in the YouTube films. That's uh, that, that's how bad they get. But uh, he looked really, really good. And as a player, I, I would quite, I think another centre forward would be quite happy in getting one. Do you know anything about Scott? Do you know anything about this guy? Listen, I think he'd, he'd be a cracking signing. I, I think everyone's sort of aligned with that. I think if, if, he, if he came in, he'd be a natural replacement for. Um, Alfredo, who's obviously disappeared, um, I, I think he'd be a, a really good figurehead as a, a number nine, if you like. Interestingly enough, I think he can play right across those front three positions up front as well. Um, highly rated. Gerard fancied him, if memory serves me right, when he was around prior to him going to Bordeaux. Um, and yeah, I mean, he he would be a, he would be an exciting one to get over the line. And um, it'll be interesting. He, I, I, Firmly expect will be one that will be mentioned over the next couple of weeks, um, and if he's one that they can get over the line, um, it'd be another. Listen, the summer so far has been impressive for Michael Beale. I don't care what anyone says. If you can get guys like Josh Maja in, um, without really spending too much money so far as well, remember, um, I think it would be really impressive. Yeah, definitely. Andrew, one more name. I'm going to throw you. You you're quite well up in other teams. Rangers Beal chasing deal to sign Bright Osiah Samuel. He's uh, from Ferenbache. This Turkey thing seems to be it's either either Turkey or the the Turk coming to Scotland or Scots going to Turkey. Have you do have you heard anything about him? Do you know anything about him? That's another name we've been throwing about with for a while. And um, before he made the move to Turkey, was he not Q, uh, QPR before? Yeah, um, that's he made he moved, right. moved to Turkey. Um, it seemed to be quite a nice amount of money that they signed him uh, from QPR for, if I remember correctly. I think they get priced out of that one. Um, he seems to be a, a decent player. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's something I'd, I'd look at. As long as, as I said, there's a lot of this, the signings that we're linked with, especially the, the non-free agent guys, that if, if the money's right, then by all means... If we think we've got solid enough information on them, we think he, they'll they'll fit in the system that Michael wants to play. Then by all means, pile in and and try and try and get from as little as we can get for them. Um, going back to to Magia, he sounds great. Um, I think he was a big big part of this Sunderland until I die documentary. If people watched that on Netflix, um, him and Joel Osorio were the two young talents coming out of that Sunderland academy during their nightmare seasons. Uh, his agent sounds like a bit of a piece of work, to be honest, but whose agent in football isn't these days? Um, so just need to wait and see. Um, all, all good news, that, all, all news that I'm seeing is good news so far. I've not seen anything I've not been happy with. Um, so again, as I said, how long may it continue? I'm, I'm all for this uh, this pre-season, uh, uh, silly season, as, as they say, for the big money moves. 
Well, this guy seemingly was a, a, a right winger with Queen's mm. Park and fair and back you put him back to, to right back. Uh, from what I've heard, he's, he's really fast. Um, I hope he's not fast like Matondo, that his feet doesn't know what his head's doing or his head doesn't know what his feet's doing. Uh, a, fa a fast player that knows what he's doing is, uh, I mean, that's what we're saying about Lammers as well. He's not fast. It's a number ten, nine or ten. You don't really need to be that fast. You've, you've got to be fast of thought and not fast in running so much. So anyway, um, I'm conscious of the time, guys, and I've got one subject that uh, I'm going to finish off with, and that is not really to do with Rangers anymore, but Stephen Gerrard to Al Etifag as manager in Saudi Arabia. Davy. What's your opinion in this? Don't mention the camels. Whatever you do, don't mention the camels, right? <laughs> it's, it's hard to uh, see where Stevie G is going with this one because, you know, I moved to Saudi Arabia, just a huge big payday, you know, and I don't, I don't know what, what they're aspiring to. I mean, I've never heard of the club that he's off to see. He's probably never heard of the club that he's off to, to manage. So I, I, for, but for £20 million a year, who wouldn't do it? You know, you're off, aren't you? You're packing your bag. You know, I'll take a couple of years of this. They'll have to see me for my four-year, pay me for my four-year contract. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, another couple of houses in Dubai. So, yeah, <laughs> who wouldn't? But I just can't oh. see it. You know, from his managerial career, is is there long-term in this? Is Stevie just already checked out? Or is, uh, is he just seen this as... You know, a couple of years in the desert, accumulate some money, and then he can uh, pick another job somewhere in England. I, I really don't know what the strategy is here. Um, I can't even guess. Sorry, it just seems daft. Mm -hmm. Well, for twenty million pound, uh, if you if, if you can stick it out three years, then uh, then you're made. And, and if you can get a job, and and I mean, there are there are managers that have went to Saudi Arabia and came back and got jobs in, in, in Britain, good jobs in Britain. So, I mean, it's not uh, as if it's impossible. But I, I just wonder, would his first pick be 11 camels or would he, be, would, would he need to put the team a lot of sand between Dubai and, uh, and Saudi Arabia to get through? <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for coming on. I'll, I'll go around you all. Uh, Dave, thanks for coming on. And anything you want to go off your chest at the end of? No, no, I'm saving it all for uh, James Bisgrove. <clears throat> Th thanks for being here, guys. Uh, it was a uh, good to chat. It's, and and well done, Michael Beale. And and it's very encouraging what's happened so far. Uh, more of the same. Okay, Andrew, and you want it off your chest? Thanks for having me on again tonight. Um, I'm happy whatever Stevie wants to do in his life. He's he's gave me fifty five, which for for me is the biggest thing that's happened football related in my life off the back of the horrors that I had to watch growing up. Um, so whatever he wants to do, go with my good blessing. Thanks all the listeners again tonight. And remember, chip in for DVT's printer ink. It is, it's, it's, we need it because, it, you know, he's, he's working hard. Look, you can see that that's not cheap. Okay, let's <laughs> that's, that's, that's just remember that. Yeah, oh, well. I'm afraid uh, I, I don't earn much uh, doing the podcast, uh, so it would need to be charitable. Um, Scott, 
thanks for coming on. Really great it's having you on. Uh, I'll let you get anything you want off your chest and let, let us know again what you're going to be doing at This Is Ibrooks in the next few days. So, no, listen, nothing to get off my chest. I mean, Davey P, what I would say on your on your visit to the forum next week, genuinely, if you get the chance to, to ask something, make it a good one, it might be your only chance to ask a, a member of the, the Rangers board something really pertinent. So best of luck with that. I hope it goes all the way that you, you would like to go. I've enjoyed being on, guys. Thanks very much. I've enjoyed your time. Um, as, as far as us are concerned, this Ibrox returns this coming Sunday night from 8 o'clock, and it's the first of four pre-season shows um, before our usual content on every Sunday, Monday and Wednesday starts um, from the beginning of July, if memory serves me right. Um, look forward to, to next season for a variety of different reasons, which will become clear on the channel um, as, the, as the weeks progress. So, um, yeah, lots to look forward to. Hopefully in the pitch we're going to have a lot more to celebrate. Um, and, um, yeah, as I said earlier on, I'm, I'm reasonably hopeful for a for a promising season under Michael Beale. I certainly hope we get it. David, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Enjoyed having you. And thanks for everybody for listening. Colin will be here tomorrow doing the, the daily news. He's very early in doing it. He's an early bird. Us old ones don't get out of bed till later on in the day. So it's always later with us. And we'll be back on Sunday with the live pod. So that's what things coming your way. I'll say thanks very much. We are the people and good night.